As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to... Episode 172, Andrew from Shift Upwards. Hey, Money Clan, a very warm welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So, Katie, it was lots of fun having Andrew on the show and nice catching up with them. We had him on a couple episodes ago. A couple episodes, <laughs> like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And if memory serves, I think it was episode 100. No, not even 100. Episode 56. So. Oh, that was very exact. Not even like 50 something, but 56. I mean, I had to research, you know. Yeah, it is episode 56. So. If you guys do want to hear the original conversation we had with him, you can check that out. But yeah, like wonderful conversation. He recently completed his mini retirement. So definitely fun chatting about that. And yeah, just love you, dude. And the thing that I took away from Andrew the most is you need to appreciate the little things in life. And after you listen to the conversation, I think you'll really get where I'm coming from. Yeah, totally. Well, if you guys haven't already, we'd love if you joined our Facebook community. Head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. We'd love if you joined and come and tell us what you're working on. All right, Kate, you ready to dive right in? Yes. Fantastic. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Andrew is constantly thinking, talking, or writing about his never-ending pursuit of a better life and career through personal experiments, lessons learned, and smart money habits. In 2017, he took a detour off the path towards financial independence and embarked on a one-year mini-retirement. Now, he's using the insights gained from a year off to reframe his goals and ambitions for decades to come. Welcome back, Andrew. Andrew. Hello. Hey, Dennis and Katie. So, Andrew, you were on the podcast previously, and when we sort of chatted to you back then, you were going through your mini retirement. So we thought it would be really cool to reach back out to you and sort of see, like, you know, where you sort of left off and, you know, sort of do a catch-up. So my first question for you is, like, how did you sort of come up with a plan for a mini retirement? Was there kind of like a a dollar figure you needed to save up? Like how long were you planning for before you did it? Yeah, so, well, so I guess when we talked last, it was, um, I think it was right around the beginning of my mini retirement. And that was last fall. Or no, actually, I think it was later in the spring that we talked. Uh, But anyways, um, yeah, I guess I had been planning on it for, 
Well, it kind of it was kind of a journey. It wasn't really something I planned. It kind of just I had different plans that evolved over time. And so, you know, my wife and I had been planning to take a year and travel. So we decided to save up enough money to travel the world for a year. And we each wanted to have about $40,000 saved to do that, uh, which would have been more than enough for both of us to travel for a year and then have plenty of runway coming back from traveling. Well, then a bunch of things happened in our personal lives that just disrupted those plans. Uh, The biggest thing was that my wife was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and, um, you know, right around the time that we were going to be quitting our jobs. <laughs> so so that threw the whole travel plans out the window. And we spent a couple years, you know, dealing with that and a couple surgeries and everything. So that kind of reprioritized things for us. But I was really not happy at my at my job for a lot of reasons, as I've come to realize since I took the mini retirement and like reflecting on everything. And, you know, I think a lot of the things were internal reasons um, that made me unhappy, like things with myself that I wasn't dealing with. But then also just things with the job itself, too, that weren't very satisfying and kind of drove me insane a little bit. So uh, I had, you know, we we had all the money saved to take our trip when the health issues came up. But I was also completely burned out at work. And I just decided after, you know, a few months that it was time to take a break. And so, um, so yeah, the goal from the outset was never, I guess that the goal was never for me by myself to take a mini retirement at home and take a year-long staycation, which is basically what I did. Um, yeah, so I, I guess in terms of saving, you know, it was honestly, it worked out pretty well. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, my wife and I sat down and ran the numbers and said, this is what we can spend for the next year, and this is how much we can save if we spend this amount. And we were able to do that just by sticking to our goals. Um, so it worked out pretty well. Wow, that is, that probably... Your wife getting diagnosed with cancer right when you're about to embark on this big life adventure together probably put a lot of things into perspective for you. Uh, Yes. Um, Well, I think later on, I think the raw emotions of dealing with all that uh, was difficult. And I think that's honestly some of those raw emotions are probably what pushed me out of my job. You know, I think I I, I took a lot of the anxiety and... um, things that I was feeling as a result of processing everything. Um, Cause not only, you know, obviously my wife had cancer and also our plans that we had been making for the last year that we had been mentally prepared for uh, were upended. So it was just a lot to process at one time. And I think I took a lot of that stress and put it onto my job and uh, it made my, my work life pretty unbearable. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And it, it is really hard to find that balance where you're still happy as well, especially when you've got so much going on in your personal life. So totally, totally get where you're coming from. Yep. Did the mini retirement help cope with and bring some of that? Chaos, I don't want to call it chaos at home, but kind of ground you and let you get that time to recenter and refocus yourself and also give your wife the support that she needed. Um. Yes. Um, so definitely, it definitely allowed me to give my wife support and be there for her. And I guess in terms of being able to ground myself and refocus, yes, to that also. But I think it was more, it, was, it wasn't a linear path. It wasn't like all of a sudden I was on my mini retirement and things were easy to deal with. I mean, there were still stresses and there was still a lot that I was dealing with day to day. And I think over time, having taken the the time and taken the time to reflect and live through some of those harder days in the weeds definitely helped. I think helps give me 
better clarity and focus now going into this next part of my life and giving me more clarity on, you know, where, where I want to be going and what I want to be doing. So, um, yeah, uh, I would say, um, yeah, there were definitely days even during the mini retirement that were difficult. I mean, just cause you know, you're used to going to work every day and having a certain structure in your life. And so when you're left to your own devices and your thoughts and everything, it can be sometimes, um, sometimes difficult. Not to say it all was, it was, um, you know, there were also great days too. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I don't say any of this to say that, um, taking the mini retirement was a bad idea or that I regret it. I think it was actually one of the most valuable things I could have done for myself because it gave me the space to, to really learn some of these things about myself and sit with some things that weren't easy to sit with. So, um, it was probably one of the most valuable things I've ever done. So looking back while during your mini retirement, you had a lot on your plate. Yes. But did you ever feel like you just had nothing going on or like, how did you structure your time? Because I've also been in that situation and there were days where I just didn't know what to do with myself. Um, yeah. So I actually think in hindsight, I did a lot better of a job structuring my time and being motivated than I gave myself credit for, which is also something I've learned throughout my mini retirement is how hard I am on myself. And I'm, I'm kind of my own worst enemy in a lot of ways still to this day, like even in my job and the things that I let stress me out or a lot of them are self-inflicted. And so when I was going through it, I didn't really, I don't think I thought I was doing that great of a job. And I never thought I was doing enough, no matter what I was doing. You know, I would tell myself at the end of the day that I hadn't structured my time well, and I didn't get anything done. But in hindsight, there was a lot that I actually was able to accomplish. And in fact, uh, it kind of landed me where I am now in my career, like the, the job that I have now and the, the kind of path that I took to get to this job, part of it was kind of brushing up on some skills and learning some new things that I chose to focus on in the mini retirement. So I would say um, in terms of structuring my days, uh, I had a long list of things that I wanted to do. And I think I did chip away at them in small increments. Um, I never had days. I, I honestly did not have any days where I didn't do anything. I always was doing something. I was either exercising or catching up with a friend or doing online courses or doing things with websites and, you know, kind of doing all those things that I was interested in. So I, I feel like um, in hindsight, I think just, just knowing the things that I wanted to pursue, I actually, even going back now, um, around the beginning of my time off, I put together a spreadsheet and like started listing all the things that I wanted to do and focus on during my time off. And going back and looking at it now, I was able to get to most of those things. So yeah, I guess the key takeaway is don't be so hard on yourself <laughs> and uh, have some clarity too. Because uh, I mean, if I didn't, if I didn't have clarity on, on what exactly I was doing, it would have been harder to um, have any of that direction. Yeah, and like that, that totally makes sense. I think sort of figuring out what you were going to do was really crucial for you. And you know, like it's like you say, to avoid that, just sitting at home and doing nothing. And by sort of giving yourself a high level plan, even though you weren't literally like checking stuff off the list, you kind of knew what you wanted to do and you were able to work towards that, whether it took like one day or a couple of weeks or whatever, you were still getting stuff done and you made yourself feel like you were ticking stuff off, which I think was important for you. Yeah, actually, one of um, there was a book that I read uh, during my time off called Bird by Bird. And actually, I think I wrote about this in one of my blog posts, but um 
It was a, a book by this writer named Anne Lamott. The book was kind of about the process of writing and the joys and pain of, of the writing process and how it's not as glorious as it looks on the outside. You know, like if you're a published author, you know, everyone looks at published authors and thinks like, oh, that's so great. I wish I could publish a book. But the whole process of writing is a lot more than that. And her book, Bird, Bird by Bird, was kind of just about about that. And uh, the whole concept was um, taking things one like small piece at a time. Like uh, That's actually where she got the title of the book, is that she had a brother, I think, that was working on a school project. And he had to draw out a bunch of different birds for a school science project. And he had procrastinated. And I think it was like the weekend before the project was due. And he started, he was like, oh, how am I going to draw all these birds, I have like 20 birds to draw on paper this weekend. And the father was like, well, just take it one at a time, take it bird by bird. And that was kind of the philosophy she applied to life. So instead of thinking of all these bigger things you have to do, just take one small piece at a time and then appreciate that. So I think applying that mentality to some of the things that I was doing during the mini retirement, again, looking back on it, like a lot of these things I've realized just looking back on it, but I think being able to apply, if I had been able to apply that mentality more when I was in it, I think I would have appreciated my progress a lot more. I think really what I wanted was I just wanted to get more done. Um, so it was like one of those things where no matter what I did, I didn't think I did enough. But if I kind of reframed, reframed it more um, in, in this like bird by bird way of thinking about it, then I think um, I would have been able to appreciate it a little more in the moment. I like that bird by bird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I still tell myself that sometimes during the day, like if I'm overwhelmed with tasks that I have to get done at work, I'll just tell myself I'm like bird by bird. <laughs> yeah. I it helps actually. I'm going to do that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking about bird by bird, I'd like to pivot back to the money aspect of, of taking the mini retirement. And yep. I'd like to chat sort of about, you know, like the spending habits that, that you had when you were in your mini retirement. So you obviously said that you saved up like 40K each between um, you and your wife and mm -hmm. sort of like taking that, were you kind of tracking that on a monthly basis and like sort of seeing if you were in line with what you were expecting to spend? I know obviously you were planning to go traveling and whatever and that didn't materialize. However, like you still would have had to have some sort of a budget to sort of still pay the bills. And obviously I'm sure there were medical bills as well that were unforeseen. So how did that process kind of look with your finances? And, you know, were you able to sort of stick to a budget? Uh, yeah. So I would say um, I was obsessive about it. <laughs> um, you know, like I still kind of check in on my money and stuff every day, even when I'm working. And so when I wasn't working, um, it was, yeah, it was very easy to focus on it. And so I definitely had a number in mind um, and I definitely tracked my progress meticulously to make sure that I was hitting that number. And in fact, when all was said and done, it ended up being the least money I've ever spent in a year since I've started tracking my spending by far. So I think there's, a, you know, different reasons for that. Um, like, you know, my wife and I have worked on cutting down our lifestyle costs over the last five years, like in, in small steps. And I think we've done a lot of good work on that. So that's one reason why during my year off, I was able to spend so little. Um, but yeah, uh, so I definitely... Um, kind of had a baseline. I knew what I spend in a year usually. And that's kind of what got us to the number that we saved to begin with. You know, we wanted to have that amount plus some buffer just in case it took a while to find a job or, you know, once you decided to move on to the next step in life. So um, had that number in mind. And it almost was uh, 
I want to say in some ways it was, I think maybe I even gamified it a little bit um, and tried to get myself to beat it on a more subconscious level. Like I think that maybe happened through the process of just looking at my spending every day. But, um, but yeah, happy to report that I, I was actually really proud of that. Like I, um, I only spent about $30,000 in that entire year. So, um, that worked out really well and it, it took the pressure off too. When I decided to go back to work, um, it wasn't like I was almost out of money. You know, I still had a good amount left so I could kind of take my time and be selective with my job search. That's very impressive that you didn't go back to work, like counting the days until you had your first paycheck. Yeah. And it allowed, it allowed me to do some really good things too. It allowed me actually, I went back to work in October of last year um, and because I had, I still had enough left over really to get me through the end of the year, I was able to just put a hundred percent of my paychecks um, and max out my, um, my IRA, which I thought was cool. <laughs> so I, um, you know, just dedicated my, like my first, all my, all my paychecks for the first couple of months just went straight to retirement savings. And I just still kept living off the cash that I had left over that I had saved up. Good for you. So our last question before our break is, would you do it again? Um, yes, I would say, yeah. And, and of course, like, not, you know, being here now and um, knowing that, like what I know now, I would still do it again. And of course, there would be different things that I would take out of it this time and different ways that I would approach it this time, just having been through it once. But, you know, as I said earlier on, when I was kind of talking about some of the challenges and some of the more difficult parts of it, and as I said then, and I want to reiterate again, None of that is to say that it, this was a bad idea or that I would not advocate someone doing this because I think sometimes to learn the most valuable lessons about yourself, you have to go through hard times and you have to pay attention to some things that aren't easy to pay attention to. I mean, as, you know, just like with anyone trying to get on track financially, you have to pay attention to your money. And for a lot of people, that's not easy to pay attention to. But the only way to push through it and to get better with your money is to live in that discomfort and be like, okay, like I have to, I have to figure my money out and I have to pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, that does not just apply to your money like that, that approach and that way of thinking about it. And I think when I was taking my time off and dealing with some things personally, um, I, I was forced to pay attention to some things that I think I had, you know, I didn't have to pay attention to when I was working and, for that alone, you know, it wasn't necessarily easy, but, um, it's, I think, I don't, I don't see how anyone could, um, not benefit from going through an experience like that. So I would, I would strongly advise it to anyone and, and I would definitely do it again. It definitely makes sense. So I know like you did also have a goal of like achieving fire and like obviously taking time off is sort of detracting from that or pushing it back a little bit. So you would say that even with that in mind, you would definitely still do it again. And, you know, like you didn't think it made that much of a dent in your fire journey. Um, no, actually. Yeah. Um, it did not for, I mean, you know, a good reason for that too, is that the stock market has been going up for the last decade and it was doing really well during my time off. And so actually like, because of that, like the, just the stock market gains alone kind of, didn't really set my net worth back during my time off. Right. Um, but I know that's also not, that's not sustainable because uh, <laughs> the stock market is going to go down. <laughs> um, something's going to happen at some point. Um, so I don't, I think that's kind of like a superficial metric to track, but definitely like I, I um, once I got into the mini retirement and I got into the mindset of not earning money, but spending money like that, that I was spending money, but I didn't have any money coming in. Um, it actually wasn't as, 
it actually wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be. Like I thought it was going to be really hard to get over that and to feel comfortable with it, especially with, you know, being like someone pursuing FI, I'm obviously obsessed with money. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot harder to go into this phase where all of a sudden I was spending and not earning. And yeah, it didn't really, um, you know, it was still some things I had to work through with that, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, so yeah, like all in all, I don't think it, you know, it didn't really set my journey back. I mean, it definitely set me back probably by a couple of years at least just because I, I lost a year of salary. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it was more than worth it. Yeah. And you found it personally rewarding. So it was definitely worth it for you. Yep. Fantastic. Money Clan, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. If you're looking to get a handle on your debt, head on over to chainofwealth.com slash debt course. Katie and I have put together an awesome debt course and we're looking to give it away to five lucky people with an inspirational story. So that's chainofwealth.com slash debt course. Okay, Andrew, so we know that you are obsessive about money and being on your path to being financially independent. So what does your savings or retirement plan look like? Yeah, so my savings plan is pretty much what it was before I took my mini retirement. You know, like I said, my wife and I have optimized our lifestyle expenses. Things have actually gotten, we recently bought a house, so that adds some expenses, um, the last few months have been really expensive, but that's those are all more like one-time expenses anyways. But I would say we have our baseline of what our spending is and we save the rest. That's basically what it comes down to. So we know a few of the pillars that we have. I mean, you know, I'm fortunately my wife and I are both in higher earning jobs. So we have a lot of disposable income. So I'm not going to pretend that we don't, but I, I do like to think that we take full advantage of it. You know, like one of the things we do is we max out our retirement accounts that's like a must that we do every year. Um, and then we kind of figure out what our after-tax take-home pay is going to be and subtract our baseline living expenses from that. And then we just invest the rest of it automatically. Because if you don't do it automatically, you know, as you know, if you let that sit in your checking account, you get used to it being there and you might start spending it. So we just do the whole thing of um, paying yourself first or hiding money from yourself, as I've, I've heard it uh, coined before. <laughs> And um, no, no pun intended. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, and now that we bought a house, our plan, you know, we're, we're going to be diverting a little bit money away from investments. Uh, we still will be investing, but our goal is to pay down our house a lot quicker. And I know that that is, uh, you know, you could say that you could get more money just investing in the stock market than paying down your mortgage. But my wife and I have kind of decided that if we can pay down our house really fast, we're going to have a lot more flexibility a lot sooner just by not having a mortgage payment. So if we decide that one of us wants to take a less stressful job or if one of us just wants to stop working altogether, we have kids and we want to stay home with them, you know, not having the mortgage payment will give us flexibility to do that a lot earlier than if we had just kept investing our money in the stock market. So that's one of the things we're looking at. And then also, uh, you know, we could obviously, if we own our house outright, we could sell it for cash, we could rent it. It just gives us so many different options. So yeah, that's, that's kind of our current goal right now. But yeah, on a high level, it's uh, I would say our strategy involves knowing really, really well what our annual spending is. And then that way we can know exactly what we can save. We know exactly how much we need to spend so we can easily save the rest without having to think about it. So that's at a high level what our strategy is. Awesome. And I know obviously having um, gone on your mini retirement, you did have time to catch up on reading. 
So what would you yes. say your favorite book is at the moment? Oof. Oh, man. Let's see. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Not Bird by Bird. You've already <laughs> no, suggested no. that one. I was actually going to say. Yeah, that one was, uh, yeah, that was like 15 books ago. <laughs> so now I got I to gotta try to remember what I read. I was, I was actually going to say, like, ballpark, how many books do you think you read? <laughs> Probably about 15 or 20. Yeah, I would say. And I read mostly nonfiction and I read mostly personal finance books, which is funny just because, uh, you know, I guess it's, I just like learning about personal finance. No matter how much I know about it, I feel like I can always know more. And I enjoy, even if I'm reading about topics I already know about, I like hearing different perspectives that you get in different books. Yeah. So I've read a lot of the different books about mini retirement and financial, or not mini retirement, early retirement and financial independence. So I read Grant Grant's book, Millennial Money. Um, I read Tanya Hester's book, Retire Early, The Non-Penny Pinching Way. That was the most recent one, actually. And that was, I really enjoyed that a lot. I thought Tanya's book was great and it had a lot of really good thought-provoking exercises and a lot of the kind of figuring out, um, asking really tough questions to yourself to figure out what you want out of life and then kind of reverse engineering your plan to get your freedom with that full understanding of what you want out of your life. And then I also read a non-personal finance book was this book called The Year of Living Danishly. So basically this woman, I think she was like an editor at Marie Claire in London, and her husband got a job at Lego in Denmark, and they kind of uprooted their lives to go live in Denmark for his job. And she decided to, you know, help Denmark, like a lot of studies show that it's a happy country and a, a early, you know, everyone there's happy and it's a good place to live. So she kind of studied their culture while she was there and wrote a book about it. So that's, um, that's been really interesting to read also. Interesting. Yep. So do you have a favorite quote you try to live by? Uh, yeah. So I guess, you know, kind of came up earlier in this interview uh, when I was talking about bird by bird. But, you know, as I said, I still, even to this day when I'm sitting at work or if I'm feeling overwhelmed with something, I will kind of think through that quote in my head, like take a deep breath and take it bird by bird. So I think that can always help in any situation. So um, I think that kind of sums up living, <laughs> you know, if you can learn to take it easy in a, and take it easy on yourself and you have any anything that can help you do that. So, yes, that is a good quote to live by. I really like that and sort of the idea of sort of chipping away at one thing at a time. So even if there's this massive task you're trying to get done, like break it into subtasks and then just do it bird by bird. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you've absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, I guess parting advice would be um, focus on more than just the money. You know, it can be really easy just to focus on the money and focus on having a magic number and having all your problems go away when, once you get there. But there's a lot more to it. I mean, money is a tool that will help you live a happier life. So, I mean, you know, there's all the sayings that money doesn't buy happiness, um, which is like a cliche saying. I don't fully agree with that. I think money can buy you a certain level of happiness and peace in your life if you pay attention to it. And not paying attention to your money certainly is a recipe for unhappiness because it just introduces stress in your life. But I would say, don't just focus on the money and focus, uh, try, try to think about every day what it is you want to be doing and understanding yourself and understanding how your mind works and how you process the world around you. Because um, there's so many of those things like, you know, we all, we all take things in every day and we all have subconscious things going on in our heads that we might not even ever realize or understand. So the more time I think we can spend to understand that then and understand ourselves and the happier we can be in life. So 
I would say while you're focusing on your money, also focus on uh, understanding yourself too. Money Clan, we've been hanging out with Andrew. You can check out his website. It's shiftupwards.com. And definitely consider like what's important to you in your life. It's not always about the money. So guys, after the show, I did have to ask Andrew about his wife because I did not know that she had cancer, but I am very happy to say that he said that today actually was their two-year checkup post-cancer, and she is healthy and cancer-free. Yeah, super exciting. So great to hear that they're doing well. Yes. Cool. We'll catch you guys next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.